friends, welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're two modern mamas with a goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I am a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology, and mama to Bear and Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We are so happy you're here. Hi, friends. Laura here. I am so excited to announce that the Modern Mamas podcast has joined forces with Paleo Valley. If you've been following me for long, you know that I absolutely love and appreciate their products because they've been such an important part of my journey to health and then also now Evie's journey, especially with her first foods. Our absolute favorite in this household is the grass-fed organ complex. We also love the beef sticks and their brand new turkey sticks and take them with us basically everywhere we go on all of our travels. Some other of our favorites include the organic super greens, which are great for smoothie bowls or smoothies or just taking down the hatch right as they are. We love the grass-fed, non-denatured whey, the superfood bars, which are loaded with collagen, and um, I cannot wait to now try their new Essential C Complex. Don't miss out. You can get an awesome deal. Just head to our show notes for the discount code and link and try them for yourself. You will not be disappointed. Enjoy! Hey guys, it's Jess here. I am doing another episode with a guest today. Um, Today we have Suzanne Tucker of Generation Mindful with us today. And I am super, super excited to have her on to kind of pick her brain, to allow her to tell us about her journey and about her mission and about the company that she has basically created to help drive her mission. Um, So we're just going to, we've been doing some catch-up episodes with just Laura and I, so we're just going to dive into it because I just have a feeling this is going to be one of those episodes with just so many truth bombs in it, and I want to make sure that we get enough time to work through all of that. But before we get started, just so you guys know who we're talking to today, we have um, Suzanne Tucker, who is a PT. What does CEIM stand for? So I'm a physical therapist and a certified educator of infant massage. Okay, perfect. And a parent educator. So you've got, yeah, you wear many hats. um, And thank you for being here, by the way. Of course, it's a joy. (laughs) Um, Suzanne's bliss is inspiring connection and her life's purpose is to help our society evolve the way it nurtures, educates, and disciplines children. A mom of four, physical therapist, and parent educator with a focus on attachment since 1992, Suzanne has been teaching mindful parenting classes for over two decades, including, among other things, weekly infant massage classes to new parents. In 2016, Suzanne was inspired by one of the parent graduates in her class to found Generation Mindful, a social mission-driven company creating educational tools, toys, and programs that connect the generations playfully and build emotional intelligence. I mean... That's a pretty <laughs> awesome bio, I'm not going to lie. Aww. I hope it tells a story. It's a little long. I hope nobody's bored out there. Oh my gosh, not no, not at all. That's what they tune in for because they want to our our audience is very much in tune with the concept of attachment and um, you know, we've had different es- experts from different walks of life and trains of thought, a lot of them being like attachment parenting, um, aware parenting, you know, hand in hand parenting, all of this in this, this 
area, a realm of parenting that I feel like is coming to light a lot more recently. Um, for whatever reason, it's just fascinating, but, um, I feel like there's just kind of like that up and down shift generationally where, you know, our, my parents weren't really focused on that. And I don't know if it's a rebellion against, against that, or if it's a need that needs to be met me searching out alternative ways to parent, you know what I mean? So I'm sure you can kind of talk to us a little about that too, once we jump in here, but our topic today is going to be about the Generation Mindful story, deep diving into what it means to foster, like what is mindfulness in children? We talk about mindfulness um, in ourselves, and that's something that we work on or we promote on the podcast um, frequently, just being mindful, whether it's in terms of eating or exercising or stress or um, relationships and something that we focus on as adults heavily, but what would happen if we started that process in our children from a young age to where they get to adulthood and it's not this huge struggle um, for them. So I'm super excited. We're going to talk about play, how that can foster connection, and what emotional intelligence is and how we can help shape it in our kiddos. So thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited. Yes. Wow. And just everything you said, I'm like, okay, I've got 18 things I want to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah, before you get, st- before we jump into the, the nitty gritty, I always like to kind of start with an icebreaker question just to, so people can kind of connect with you on a personal level. But I really want to know what your favorite movie of all time is. Oh, fun question. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to, it's really, truly the honest answer is Sound of Music. Awesome. And I mean, that movie, right? I yeah. Everything from the name to the fact that my eight-year-old boy likes it as much as I do, Aww. you know, it's something that, um, that I love the ritual of watching it every year together. So I just, I love that movie. Love everything you, about it. Do y'all watch it at like a special time of year or is it kind of just like whenever the mood strikes? We, we watch it around Christmas time every oh, year. Yeah. That is precious. I love her so much. Um, she's still kicking, right? Julie Andrews? I don't know, but uh, I, I, I just, I, I'm not a big musical person either, but I just love it. I love everything about that, that, that movie. And, you know, if I were going to give you a, a second less known, it would be Life is Beautiful, mm-hmm. which is a um, document, which is a, a foreign film. And um, about concentration camps and um, the struggle yeah. uh, to find really our own inner joy amidst just dire, crazy circumstances. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what it is about those movies. I just I love everything. I love the, the prevail. I love the challenge. I love, I guess, the connection. Yes. Too. I mean, that so. makes total sense, given where you are in life and what you your mission really thought about it. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a neat question. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good to know. Um, that that gives me a lot of insight about people. I ask uh, oftentimes I ask what their favorite food is, what their favorite show is, and what their favorite movie is, and I feel like it just tells you a lot about a person. So yeah, um, inside. <laughs> yes. So now that we've got to know you a little bit better in terms of like what you like to watch, tell us about yourself, how you found your passion, how you got to where you are right now with Generation Mindful, just kind of expand on that bio. We want to hear more. Sure. Well, I think a large part of it, I've got to mention my husband. We've been married 20 years and we met working on the coast of Georgia. We're both physical therapists. 
And I, I was attracted to him right off. And honestly, the way he treated, and I know it's gonna, not going to sound super sexy, but he really, he, he is super sexy, number one. <laughs> but the way he was treating his clients holistically is what I would say. We're both manual therapists. And, you know, he wasn't just treating a knee or treating a shoulder. He was really connecting and treating the whole person. And I found that super sexy. Mm -hmm. And um, we started dating. We got engaged and married about six months later and um, moved back to St. Louis, where I'm from, to open our own health center. So that was a big part of of, uh, what led me to where I am now. We started this local health center here in St. Louis, which brings together Eastern and Western medicine. And I started to really feel pulled as I went on my journey in motherhood, which I think is like jumping on the super highway to spiritual development mm-hmm. um, with my firstborn, who's now 18, and then my second and then our twins that are eight. Um, I, I think we teach what we need to know. And I know for me that that has been true. So I started to get into um, teaching attachment, which I was always about. And that led me into being a parent educator and working um, on mindfulness. And really what brought about Generation Mindful are my stops, my stops in the road. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hate sometimes talking about this word mindfulness because I think, first of all, it's such a big uh, unattainable word. And, And a lot of us carry a lot of guilt, or at least I do and did. And so when I hear or heard that word mindfulness, a lot of times it would just leave me feeling not enough or shamed right at the get go, you know, mm-hmm. because um, it, it feels unattainable. So my thing with Generation Mindful has been um, has been kind of blowing that up, breaking it down and really focusing on the practical and the playful applications and being enough. So really, my message for everyone is it's not about doing it right or being more. OK, because, you know, when you see mindfulness, you think oh, they're doing it right. And they're mm-hmm. sitting on top of a mountain, you know, with their legs crossed <laughs> meditating all the time. And I'm screaming at my four-year-old, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So my, my whole thing was I wanted to take the tools playfully into life, into ways that are rituals that kind of pull for us into these new ways of being, instead of loading us up with information that is only serving my brain, but not really helping me break through in my, in my life. So that's kind of how I got here. And I started Generation Mindful two years ago when a mom in one of my classes had a breakthrough moment. Um, Can I tell you about? Oh, absolutely. She was, you know, in my positive parenting class and had gone through three weeks of it. And she raised her hand at the end of class and she said, Suzanne, I, I am hearing you in my head. And I said, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And she said, no, it's not a bad thing. She said, I was going to lose it on my kid last night. Gonna lose it, like hit him. Mm -hmm. I was freaking out. And I heard the words from class connect before you correct. And she said, instead, I literally, all I did was I took a deep breath. And then she said, from that, I was able to kneel down and look him in the eyes like you talk about in class. And she said, everything changed for me. Like mm-hmm. it was easy. Everything started to just unfold and I didn't have to work at it. Something happened. And I was so touched by that story. And she said, how do I do that more? You know, how do I do that when I'm triggered? How do I do that when I'm, you know, how does my husband do that? How does my 
my teacher, you know, my kid's teacher at school do that. And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to go home and think about it. And that was really my inspiration was, you know what, we all, we all just want to be showing up for the little moments and we need help. You know, Mm -hmm. we need some help. We need to start with our thoughts and then our words and our actions. And, and that was my inspiration. And I just, it's got to be playful. You know, it's got to be fun. So that's it. That's really amazing. That's really amazing. Um, um, okay, time okay, out. Okay, time out. I'm hearing an echo. Are you hearing an echo? I'm not. Hold on a minute. What's going on here? You, do you have me open twice on your Skype? I'm not. I don't think so. What is going on? Hello? Hello? Okay, it's gone. Yeah. You got me? It's gone. Good. Well, you can edit this. Yes, definitely. I'm taking note of the time, and so we'll edit that. Okay. I'm so so sorry. I don't know what's going on. That is so weird. Oh, no, it's an easy segue moment because I just finished. Yes, perfect. Okay, yeah. so we'll edit that out. Okay, I'm going to jump in. So that I just love hearing your story because a little background on how I found you. Um, a friend had posted an example of the um, – it's it's evading me. The game that you have, uh, what's it called? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. Yeah, she had posted the, the game on Facebook, and I know her and I have connected many many times about our our eldest children being very similar, um, very headstrong, very emotional, very. Uh, it's hard to really describe without sounding like it's a negative thing, but just a, a lot more energy. <laughs> High maintenance, if you will. I have one of those children, so there's nothing negative about it. They're going to freaking change the world, aren't they? They're going to rule the world. They're going to, but but they are heck to parent, right? So, oh my gosh, I get it. So yeah, and so we had connected previously on that, and I saw her post this that she had gotten the game and that she was loving it, and it's. I have it also now. She's almost two. I have a two year old, so I was thinking, and they're completely different um, in terms of like just just every, in every way, essentially. Um, but you know, it, it piqued my interest. And so I started doing some digging. I went on the website and I was like, wow, this is like something, it really resonated with me because your message was you are enough and you are created in love and connection and all these things that I'm like longing to, to create with my child, but I just struggling because you have just a million different people telling you what to do and how to do it. And this is the way it should be done. And it's really hard to find even in a lot of those instances, just practical application. Um, and so for me being just a very, I am a doer. I am like a, I need something to, to teach me something to utilize. I need, I need those practical applications. So it really called to me the game. We ordered the game. We're currently about halfway through your online parenting class. And it's just, it's amazing because there's a lot of aha moments Mm -hmm. and, um, it just really, really speaks to me because it, it's not, it's not about shaming and it's not about, um, Again, like I don't feel like everything that I, I'm, I've just failed up to this point. I feel like I'm still welcomed into learn and to change and to grow and to find these ways to connect. So I'm just personally just very grateful for what you've put out there um, and so excited to hear more about it from you. I mean, I, of course, I'm watching you on video through the online class, but it's just really cool to get to connect with you in this like conversational way. So I'm super excited. Well, in your story is my story and, and my story is your listener story. 
And the thing is, is that shame is universal. And what you talked about in the intro, you said, maybe it's because I'm trying to do something different than was done to me. And I think that, um, there's something, there's a phenomenon I talk about. It's called the pendulum, right? Mm -hmm. So your parent does something and you're over here on the pendulum. Maybe they're super strict. And what tends to happen if we're not careful is generationally, we swing the pendulum the opposite direction, but we go crazy. We go to the actual opposite ends of the world, Mm -hmm. right? So if they're super strict, we might become super laid back and permissive. And that Mm -hmm. might be the way the pendulum swings until the next generation who decides they wished they'd had more structure and they get the opposite direction. And what I'm attempting to do is to let go of the should. You know, my favorite thing is I won't should on you if you don't should on me. (laughs) Right. And so in the middle is this awesome place where we're not operating out of should or reaction to the generation before me anymore. And it starts with just love, self-love, self-awareness, and really letting go of the desire to be better, be different, be more. I think that's the big lie. Mm -hmm. And there's so many books out there that are like, literally be better, be more. I saw one, it was like faster, better, smarter. I was like, oh my God, that's like the word. (laughs) So I want to be me, you know, I want to be a And so the tools are, like you said, we need practical things we can touch and do. And that's what your listeners are here for. They're Mm -hmm. tired of only hearing theory and they're looking for, okay, yeah, but now what, you know, make it real, make it real for me. Right. Absolutely. Um, that's just a great, I I feel like so many mamas are going to be out there like nodding their head along to this episode, which is, is really exciting to me. So now tell me, and I kind of know this already because I've been through it, but I also love your approach really because it's grounded in um, cognitive development. You know, yeah. you talk about that initially in your first class, the first part of your online classes, you know, and we default to this all the time because our, our four and a half year old is so smart um, and he was very verbal early on. It's hard. It was hard for us sometimes because we're just like, why aren't you getting it? Like, why aren't you behaving the way we want you to? Because, you know, he seemed like a mini adult. And in our mind, it's like, we've already told you a million times, like, this should be something that you should know and we shouldn't have to correct you. And going through that first part in your class talking about, you know, I mean, essentially, I don't think, yeah, the brain. And he literally cannot... He can't. Yeah, he can't. He can't. Yeah, I, I want to tell all your listeners out there that there. So I'm a, I'm kind of a research nerd. Mm-hmm. I love. I'm a physical therapist. So we, you know, we do research. We love statistics. I love, you know, um, trials and evidence and and all that. And I, you know, I've been trained to set goals, short term and long term goals. That's how I approach things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of freedom in that. And so when it comes to parenting, I, I do the same thing. But I don't give my power away anymore. I used to kind of give my power away where I would read something and think I need to do that. Mm -hmm. And now this is what I would invite your listeners to do. I listen like I go on Google or I, you know, might go on a search and read something and I let it kind of filter through me and I look for what lights me up. And Mm -hmm. then I I trust that. But um, so with the science 
the research is that, uh, and I hope this lives for your listeners, is that we tend to have higher expectations for our children than is developmentally even available mm-hmm. to our child. Right. And what you said about your little one, it happens to a lot of us um, because I want people to know that being able to talk about a skill and theoretically explain a skill and do a skill are two different things. Mm-hmm. So if you think about a four-year-old not eating the cookie in the cookie jar when you say don't eat the cookie in the cookie <laughs> jar, um, and then you leave the room and they do what they want, which is go eat the cookie, and then they lie and tell you, no, I didn't eat the cookie, that's developmentally appropriate. Right. Um, and because they're, it's just where they are in their brain, they don't have the prefrontal cortex self-control to deny the urge But they do have self-preservation required to lie to you. And this is really interesting because they want acceptance and connection. They're Mm -hmm. longing for that. So I think there's a, when we know the science, when we know, wow, my predisposition is to, is to hold you higher than what you're capable of. uh, If we just know that science, then we can start getting the tools. Okay. Well then how do I morally guide my child to resist the urge to eat the cookie? Right. And there are ways and we don't have to use fear or shame and, 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 and there's no guilt if you do, but I want us to all know that there really are methods, um, that, that can help. Absolutely. Know? And I love that you say there's no shame in, if you do, because I think the whole theme of our podcast is, um, it's not shaming. And I've worked through this a lot because I didn't necessarily have this mindset early on. Um, in my early parenting years and I felt like once I found the information it was like oh my gosh I I messed up like I screwed up my child I didn't do what I was supposed to do and now it's more from a place of now that we know better and we have the information it's just empowering people to I guess go after that pursue that like you said pursue what resonates with you pursue what lights you up if this is something that you're like oh my gosh I need this I've been looking for something like this, then, you know, step forward into the future and kind of let go of the coulda, woulda, shouldas, like you said. Um, And let's like, let's figure out how to make this, you know, make a change essentially, you know, and and to embrace and love who you are, who you were. And, you know, some people like to say, you know, better, you do better, but Mm -hmm. I feel there's a lot of guilt, even still there. Like there's that judgment, right? right? And so the, about the word mindfulness, the technical definition is like accepting and, and being in the present moment with mm-hmm. acceptance, right? And mm-hmm. and classically, they say with acceptance and non-judgment, but I alter that because when I say the word non-judgment, I think judgment. I don't know mm-hmm. about you, right? Yeah. The thing I see in pictures in my brain. So if I say purple elephant to you, you're seeing a purple elephant right now in your head. <laughs> and, you know, same with our children. So what I say with mindfulness is is being present in the mo- in being present in the moment with joy and ease. So that helps me shift into things like acceptance and non-judgment because it's really hard to have joy and ease in the moment and be judge- be judging the moment, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And another thing that might help listeners out there is this word staying curious. So when something happens like my member mom who the other day left her six-year-old with her baby and came back in and the six-year-old had the poopy diaper was running around the room, right? (laughs) Um, Instead of being reactive, which is, ah, you know, poop is everywhere and you're tired. She stayed curious and she had the time and toolkit 
And she got out one of our tools and she worked through the moment with her six-year-old and found out that her six-year-old was changing the diaper. She wanted to help her mom, you know, she was like, <laughs> I'm going to change the diaper for you. And she didn't know how to do it yet. Yeah. So the mom was able to calmly say, oh, well, that was so nice, but no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and here's how you do it. And then the six-year-old was, oh, it was so cute. All the big feelings she was able to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it's that that pause button mm-hmm. um, is that mindfulness. You asked, you know, what do I think it is? And I, I think it's really just showing up here yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So so now that we're kind of on the topic of mindfulness and you've you've expressed your thoughts about it, can you tell us what your idea of mindfulness is in children? Like what is your ultimate goal when a parent comes through a course or, you know, reads your content or buys your time and toolkit, what are you hoping to instill in a child? Mm. Um, Is it that eventually that they'll get there or are there certain things that, you know, in a four-year-old you see as like, oh my gosh, they're really practicing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's present in the moment with joy and ease. And quite frankly, uh, most four-year-olds are better than that at that than 40-year-olds. Oh, absolutely. Right. If you think about it. So that's why I lean heavy into ritual and play. Um, because so mindfulness just in and of itself is, is that being present in the moment with joy and ease. Now, how do we take that into life when we're disappointed? Mm -hmm. That's where the emotional intelligence comes in. So, um, whereas children are very mindful, they are not wired for sound yet when it comes for emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Uh, we as adults, we have a prefrontal cortex, so we have, by nature, more self-control, more self-awareness, more awareness of others, you know, and the ability to have um, self-care strategies, which is, that's what emotional intelligence is. We're teaching our children those things. So for me, mindfulness in a child is really play. Mm-hmm. I see play as a super highway to mindfulness. And what I'm interested in then is through playful connection, nurturing things like self-control, self-awareness, naming emotions, you know, in other people, like, look at his, look at his face. When I ripped that toy out of his hands, look what happened to my brother's face. Mm -hmm. It it crumpled and then he cried. Mm -hmm. That is just training wheels for empathy and compassion just to notice and to name. So what I've done is broke, I've just um, taken it and broken it down into bite-sized chunks. Um, I used to do a lot of this. I did one-on-one coaching for a lot of years and I found I was having the same conversations largely around emotions, Mm -hmm. emotions as a trigger for the parent. And, um, they're triggered with their own emotions and their own inability to manage their emotions and then triggered with their child having the same struggles. Mm -hmm. So I thought, how can we break this down and interrupt this in a playful way that leans into connection and isn't, isn't just, um, dry information, but you know, that we can learn daily through playful connection. And that's where, that's where that came, came from. I hope I answered your question. No, you, you absolutely did. Um, and it's so funny that I think, I mean, I totally agree when you say children are much more better at the mindfulness piece of it. I mean, I can, my kiddos, can be totally joyful and at ease in a moment. Whereas I'm like watching them wearing like 
okay, like I hope they don't hurt themselves. Yeah. Like they're having so much fun. Exactly. They're going to pop the wall and you know, exactly. And when we complain that children don't know how to focus, I just think that's laughable. Yeah. I just think that's laughable. If you, you know, I think the struggle for children is transitioning, Mm -hmm. transitioning because they are so engrossed in the moment. And that's where a lot of the skills I talk about in class, playful connection, um, things like eye contact, getting down low and having ritual, we can wire those new abilities in our child. For me, a lot of it comes down to self regulation, regulation. Mm -hmm and transitions. I think with what we're doing. So when you have a strong-willed four and a half year old who is very powerful, who is wired to be a leader and to be powerful in this world, and you want to, in essence, control them, right? Like make them do something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like parent them. Um, There's a big rub there. And it, it, particularly if the only tools we have are heavy in, I'm in control and Mm -hmm. you need to do what I say, we are going to be in a perpetual headlock with this child. That describes the first nearly six years of my life with my second child, right? Mm -hmm. Which taught me a ton about another way to parent. So I think, um, you're going to learn a lot about yourself with that child. Mm -hmm. And as you work on the skills that move you away from the hierarchical top down parenting, you will find that those little people generally have a a pretty firm moral compass that points North when they're feeling powerful Mm -hmm. because they're leader type, but when they don't, they resist just for fun. They'll resist you just for fun. (laughs) I'm just like getting blown away right now because, and I, I speak to my personal experience because that's the only experience I can speak to, but I know through what I've shared on the podcast and, um, through social media, you know, I know there are a lot of mamas out there with, um, the same kid, you know, I mean, obviously not exactly the same kid, but They've won, it's either their first one or second or third or fourth that came and kind of just like rocked their world, whether they, it was their first introduction to motherhood and they were just literally like, oh my God, what's going on? Or if it was like they had a quote unquote easy kiddo and then their second or third kiddo was just completely different. Um, and so I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into that topic, um, because I am seeing it play out now as he gets older and the struggles that we had when he was younger. Obviously, I have more tools in my tool belt to, to manage my reaction. But yeah. seeing him form into exactly what you're talking about, a leader and a very just a, what's the magnetic personality mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's fascinating. And me and my husband have been working and struggling. I mean, it's, it's hard because we still have our own issues that we bring to the table, but struggling to kind of preserve his energy and his personality while also trying to positively guide it, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, I so hear you. So I call that enthusiasm, right? Like you don't want to squash that inner enthusiasm. And you don't want to, what I also think about is like turning the light off, Mm -hmm. right? Like extinguishing the fire. We want to be careful that in our attempt to lead and guide, 
we're not doing any of those things. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're, when you're um, leading and guiding, quote unquote, a pistol, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, you know, you've said that about, you're like, he's a little pistol or she's mm-hmm. a little pistol. You know, it, there is that risk that that's going to happen. But on the other side, it takes boundaries for these children um, to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so that's the really interesting thing that I had to learn how to have boundaries without turning into scary mommy. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I used to go from zero to a hundred oh and, I, and it was mostly because I was letting my boundaries get crossed because I was going to be this mindful, nice mom. And then I would go, I would do this exception and this is exception. And then my boundary would get crossed and I would feel like Jekyll and Hyde Mm -hmm. and I would feel taken advantage of because guess what? I was because I, the adult in the room, had let my boundaries go. So that is all on me. Mm -hmm. And what it took for me to jump out of that dance was actually confidence, which I was lacking, and boundaries. Mm -hmm. When I could start to deliver clear firm, consistent boundaries to my second child. She thrived Mm -hmm. because she was looking for that all along. She's a leader. She wanted, she wants me modeling leadership, truly, even though she might scream about it or not (laughs) like, right. In the moment, um, I had to let go of making her happy. And I had to let go of, um, my lack of confidence. And I decided to just be confident and Mm -hmm. and let go of doing it right. And I think there's nothing more immobilizing than thinking we have to do it right. I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want to break her. Right. You know, that feeling of like, I don't want to do it wrong. Mm -hmm. So how confident can we be if we're so scared of either upsetting them or doing it wrong? Not very. Right. You know? So as I started to, to let go of quote, making her happy. And as I started to step into my power, to make choices based on how I felt instead of what I thought the outside world was telling me, things started to really shift. And I will tell you, she's the neatest kid. She's 15. <laughs> and I tell all my mamas that like, if you think you're, you're raising this, um, really like you're worried, maybe your child's a sociopath, you know, at some level, <laughs> yeah. um, just hold on tight because this kid is going to be the coolest kid. And you are, just experiencing the growing pains of, of just a really remarkable child yeah. and to just cut yourself some grace. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love, I just, I resonate so much with that. And it's funny though, because it's, um, you know, you can have a child like my son bear or, you know, you're a kiddo that's very similar. Um, it makes it for me, not necessarily easier, but I, and in some ways, my daughter, who is two, she's, it's not to say that she's just like a wallflower with no strong emotions. Like that's not the case at all. She's very much an emotional kiddo, very sassy. You know, I would say she's from other standards. Um, you know, she's, she's high strung, but I am so much more prepared to deal positively with her typical two year olds you know, outbursts and, you know, things that are all totally developmentally normal. Now I'm so much better equipped to work through that than I was with my son when I had no tools, I had no experience and I didn't know what was 
normal and not normal, you know, quote, well, unquote. Exactly. yeah. And yeah. I think that that's normal. Um, I think if I have a class, I haven't taught it in a long time, but it's about, um, sibling rivalry mm -hmm. and firstborns are by nature more people pleasers, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. They tend to be really hard on themselves and they tend to want to do, uh, now you're not experiencing this, you know, you've got a strong willed child in that first seat, but it's actually a real risk when you're raising a cooperative natured child, quote unquote, these firstborns oftentimes lose themselves with the desire to please others mm -hmm. because they're told you're such a big boy, you're such a big girl. Oh, it's so good when you do that for me. And they become their sense of self and their self worth and identity becomes wrapped up in their doingness, not their beingness. Right. Um, and so that's a real risk. And I actually was falling into that with my firstborn. And my second child was such a saving grace for my first child. Right. Because when I started to let go of like the right, wrong and, and, and whatnot, and sort of the more control and hierarchy um, and punishment, really letting go of all, I, I do not punish, like we do not use punishment. We've raised our twins with no punishment. They've never been in timeout. And that's not to say we don't discipline them. We mm -hmm. do. Um, and there's lots of emotion going on all the time, but it is possible. Um, but I used punishment and I used timeouts with my first. And I can tell you with her sensitive, cooperative nature, it was not good for her ability to be self-expressed. Mm. So if anybody out there has this, quote, good child that they can take anywhere and is super good all the time, look at them with a new light and think in terms instead of just behavior, think about who are they and how in, in self-love and self-expression, because mm -hmm. Thank goodness we got a handle on that because now she's almost 18 and I don't want her to just cooperate and do right. what everyone else does, right. you know? So you, yeah, you yeah. all, every child benefits from this approach. Absolutely. Every Hi friends, Laura here with some exciting news. Forsigmatic has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like Rishi for calming, Cordyceps for an energy boost, and Chaga for an immune boost. Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the Lion's Mane and Coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water, you mix in the blend, and you're set. They have caffeine caffeine free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow and they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website, find whatever mushroom blend is, is going to fit with your lifestyle and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas or simply type in modern mamas, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, you get 50% off. Check it out, see what fits your life, and happy shrooming. That's fantastic. And such a, a good message too, because I think oftentimes we come looking for answers for the, the kiddos that are more of a challenge to us personally. Um, mm -hmm. and don't quite think about the repercussions of that quote unquote 
good kid, the one that yeah. follows the yeah. rules, the, the one that's eager to please. So that's just great moving forward, you know, for me and I'm sure for many other mamas to like keep that in mind as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about how just practical ways, you know, that you would encourage connection between a parent and a child. And I know you talk about play and, and ritual and can you just kind of give us some examples to go on um, yeah. without t- giving us the whole, you know, yeah, I'll give it all. I like to give it all. <laughs> okay, the whole intro, for it. Uh, anything I have is yours. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is that please stop making it hard. Okay. Make it simple. Cause, cause when I hear attachment and connection, I start thinking like really difficult things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you one of the more profound goals that I set for myself or little rituals that I brought into my life was simply touching and making eye contact with my children when they got off school. Right. Mm-hmm. So I used to pick my kids up at a really busy um, parish school. And it was like social hour, you know, we would mm-hmm. get there and everybody would want to talk and grab you and ask you to volunteer and bake cook cupcakes or whatever. And they would be getting off school. And here they've been away from me for these hours. And I made a conscious decision to make myself present when they get off school. And I would get down low, I'd hug, we'd smile, we'd touch, I'd, I'd always make it an attention to just touch them, to hold them, mm-hmm. to And I can't tell you how awesome that was for me, the touch and the eye contact and that the personal commitment, something that I never even told them that I was doing, Mm -hmm. but I personally need those little practices. I need them and I need to be able to celebrate that I'm doing them. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't need them to be hard. I need them to be easy. So I would say, look to the things you're already doing in your life particularly look for moments where you're feeling disconnected. Mm -hmm. Like I was feeling, I was feeling rushed and busy and distracted. So I took on that. I'm just getting off school moment. You, you might be, they might be getting in the car or they might be an infant. Who knows? It could be feeding. It could be, um, any number of things with a teenager. It could be totally different, but it doesn't matter. It just, you're feeling disconnected. I know that if you pause and you take a deep breath right now and you ask that you will be led, that you will listen inside yourself, you'll come up with something awesome. Mm -hmm. And I would say, do that, you know, um, make it playful, make it simple and make it a daily ritual. That would be my answer. Absolutely. That's, that's just, I mean, you've just got my wheels turning and I'm reflecting on, you know, recent weeks where, You know, I mean, all of us, whether we're working in the home or outside the home, we stay at home or, you know, whatever we're doing, like we have got this like air of busyness about us where, you know, we we're bathing the kids, but we're also checking social media. And then we're also, um, you know, trying to make a grocery list at the same time. Maybe we're running, folding clothes in the next room and coming back to check on kids. It's like, it's almost impossible to focus on one thing at a time. And I found that personally, I feel the most disconnected when I am trying to disconnect (laughs) by, you know, taking in social media or whatever. But when my kids are asking for connection and I feel resistant, like Mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess I'm 
try I'm trying to take care of me in the moment where they're asking me to connect with them and it feels mm. almost like I I just don't want to sometimes. Yeah. And- I love that because so I, what I would say there is um you know, we can feel guilty 24 seven, like you can never do it right enough is what I want everyone to know. So you know what, if you need permission to multitask, or you need permission to check your social media, I'd rather we give ourselves permission and celebrate those things that need to happen, or they're going to happen, and then put boundaries on them in other places. That's a world I can live in. Mm -hmm. But the world I cannot live in is that every time I do something for myself, I feel like, can I cuss, you know, insert four letter (laughs) right here. Like I can't, I can't live in that world. I will never be enough in that world. So I would like for you to have joy in the moment when you say, Hey, you know what? I get a lot of guilt about this thing, checking my whatever, but I also get a lot of joy or something. This lifts me up in some way. I'm going to actually create permission for myself. And this is how I'm going to do it because Mm -hmm. I know I'm doing this every day. So make space for it. And you know, really, it's amazing how much energy we can free up in ourselves by not doing anything differently, but changing our thoughts, right? Our our thought patterns. I think they're the major joy sucker, you know, is our thought patterns. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big, big proponent of self-awareness. Watch for guilt. That's the number one thing to watch for. Mm -hmm. And if you see yourself saying the word should or try, um, about yourself or anyone else, um, odds are that you're shooting on yourself or someone else and, <laughs> and guilt is happening right, right now. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's just fascinating. I'm, I'm really going to have to like take that home and like sit with it and mull it over. Um, I mean, not really, cause I know what you're saying is resonating with me, but like practically like fighting that because it's, you know, we talked about, um, or I've talked about, you know, anxiety and, guilt and negative thoughts and how I combat them with a, you know, every negative what if or every like negative thought that enters trying and it's a a force of habit. You have to do it over and over again, but trying to counter it with a positive thought or a positive like reframing of that incident, Mm. kind of like what you're saying too. And so, yeah. So you're talking about mantras are my, literally my favorite thing. And that's how peacemakers came to be is Inside of this box is a whole set of powerful thoughts. Um, and, and you know, one thing, though, about positive affirmations is they don't work if we're just painting on top of a negative. But where mm-hmm. they do work is I love to use affirmations not only to change my mind, but to notice how my mind is right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm feeling guilty about something, I don't want to just paint and I'm not guilty feeling on top of it. I want to sit with, wow, when I say, you know, this thing, this is what it feels like in my body. And Mm -hmm. I think we've been trained. Most of our childhoods were not wired for deep feeling states. Mm -hmm. You know, mostly we were wired for behavior. And so I'm rewiring my brain, even as I'm wiring my children's brains to attune to the inner world and to allow Um, so, I mean, every day in this household, I see, I see shaming, you know, Mm -hmm. in my household, either myself to somebody or somebody to somebody else. And what we're practicing is just calling it out on the mat, 
like the other, the other day, my eight year old, what, um, had had a sleepover and his little twin bed was on the floor and he was loving it. And he would love to just keep that on the floor for the rest of his life. <laughs> and my husband and I wanted the mattress back up on the bed and he did not. And we had let it stay on the floor for an extra day. And then we were putting it back and that was our boundary. And we mm-hmm. felt really good about our boundary and he really did not. <laughs> so when he started to cry, my husband who doesn't come by this as easy as I do as far as the words, because this is what I do all day long. Yeah. Um, he said, he said, just like this, he said, don't cry. It's like that. Don't yeah. cry. And I looked up at him and I was like, unless you're sad. And then if you are sad, cry, you know, yeah. and like I, we, we look at each other. We know we kind of co-parent, you know, yeah. and then we go in the other room and we talk about it. And I'm like, you know what, when you were little, there's no way you would have been allowed your feelings. Right. Um, but it's okay to be eight years old and want something and not get it and cry. Like it's okay. And he's like, I know, you know, it is, but you're right. I would have probably gotten in big time trouble for having uh, illogical feelings. Yeah. It's like a knee jerk reaction. I know what you're saying. It's like, that's what you've heard. (laughs) And I struggle with this all the time. You know, I've talked about it again on a previous podcast, like bear would cry. And I would say, you know, why are you crying? Like, it's nothing to cry about. Like if you want something to cry, like I'm hearing like in my mind how I was spoken to. Um, Right. And so we struggle with that all the time, all the time. Those are the the tapes that as you're getting into the course, you know, we have some trigger worksheets and we have lots of methods, but really what we're doing is we're retraining the brain. We're getting at the belief systems that are at the core of our behaviors. And they're at the core of all of our relationships. And, um, and I, I quote, do it wrong every day. Cause I don't care right now. I'm not trying to do it right mm-hmm. anymore. I am, I am, my goal is self-awareness now. Right. So that's self-awareness might be, Oh, look at me. I'm totally off right now. You know, I am totally yeah. off right now. Permission to be totally off and to catch it. And then to celebrate that I'm catching it in the moment. It's a whole nother ball of wax yeah. when you can then celebrate yourself as opposed to berate yourself for making a human error. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that so much. I mean, I'm sure we could go story after story in depth with all of that. Now tell us, um, you know, tell us about some of the tools that you offer to parents on Generation Mindful. Because I have, we have peacemakers and we Mm -hmm. have the time and toolkit and we are doing the online course, but I want you to kind of explain those tools and when and how they might be like age appropriate or appropriate for parents to utilize in their homes. Okay, sure. So the first would be the course because I have, that's from, from conception through all, all age children, lots Mm -hmm. of parents with teenagers come into that course. So, and I actually literally have had people um, pregnant and or on maternity leave um, really just love that they got to take the course early on. And what I would say with the course is so, so it's good for all ages. And it really is because it's focused on self-awareness. Uh, it's not one of those courses where I'm going to give you a book of things you have to do to do it right. Mm-hmm. So much as you're going to realize number one, you rock. Number two, um, you're going to get intentional and set goals. And you're going to find that there's a more joy factor in life and things start to feel a little easier. Mm-hmm. Particularly the course is awesome for people who feel like They've been on a hamster wheel. They've done everything 
right. You know, they know all the right words. They've read all the articles. They've done all the podcasts and they've even taken other courses. Those people generally come to my class and are like, oh my gosh, like this. Yes. Like I needed to have an experience and that's kind of what we're doing there. It's, it's more empowerment education than it is, you know, do this prescriptive. Absolutely. And I can vouch for that. I mean, a lot of it, it's work. (laughs) I, I don't yeah. want anyone to think yeah. they're going to come in and they just get to sit back and be passive and receive no. all the information because it's so individual because you as a parent and as a co-parenting, whoever your partner is, like y'all have unique ways of viewing the world and mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of like self-work, but it's worth yeah. it because that's, I think, where the the gold is. Yeah. We go into the course thinking we're here to heal our child or help our child. And we come out going, whoa, I just totally benefited from that. And so that, and like, and, and now it's going to help my kid, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to start with me and it's going to ripple out. So that, that's sort of that course. Um, the next thing would be, uh, peacemakers Mm -hmm. and that is a deck of cards. It's a mindfulness card game and it was designed for three to nine year olds. And, um, you can use it at home or a lot of people are using it in the school setting too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a preschool this morning and got to play peacemakers with a room full of four-year-olds. Oh my gosh. And, and so what the really cool thing about that deck of cards is it pulls for connection and it makes it super, super ridiculously easy to literally just take a few minutes out of your day every day and connect about the things that matter. So some people, they do it at bedtime. They pull a card with their little one. Some people do it when they get off school. Um, you can never start too early. I have two-year-olds that love the animals on the cards, and they mm-hmm. love the words. You don't understand them quite yet. But guess what? We're learning to speak the English language mm-hmm. right at birth. So it's never too early to be surrounding our kids with powerful conversations and thoughts. And so you, know? you use Peacemakers because we we kind of have gone through it like the whole deck and kind of talked about it. Uh, obviously, with at a four-year-old, he's – even though he's excited about playing a game, quote unquote, like he has very limited attention span. So your suggestion is to take one card a day, essentially, and kind of deep dive into it as much as you can. Okay. I would stop making it like we're going to sit down and study these because that's what we want to do with our left brain. You know, we're going to memorize all this mindfulness stuff, you know, and we're going to rock it. So instead it becomes this this really fun get to and you shuffle the deck and you only get one. Like I'm always like, did you know these is like, these are love notes mm-hmm. and we, we only get one a day and like, that's it. We get one and that's what we, we can talk about, think about if they want to look at the deck, don't make it a power struggle. They, whatever they want to do with it is fine. Right. But you have your special word of the day. And like today, the one I pulled with the preschool, actually the, the kid of the day pulled, um, Nora was her name. She <laughs> pulled a little red bear and he said, trees, animals, and all of nature are my friends. And so she said that a number of times and everybody said it together. And then I asked Nora, what do you want to do? Think of a motion you want to do with your body. And we can all do that together. And she said, I want to march. And so we marched in a circle and we, we chanted the mantra as we marched in the circle. <laughs> animals and all of nature are my friends. And we did it again and again and again. And then we talked about how did that live for them? And they were all talking about Earth Day, right? Mm -hmm. Earth Day. And so isn't that cool? Think about the neurosynapse connections that those four-year-olds just made around those words 
by making it silly, making it a movement, saying it out loud, and then doing storytelling, right? right? So that's why I would invite you to, you know, rediscover your deck. If you've been playing with them and you're like, I don't really get it, or they're, they're not really that fun, rediscover your deck by making it a silly, playful ritual like that. Okay. And a lot of kids like it at um, bedtime. Okay. And then they reflect on their day. So especially with a four and a half year old, and they can think, did it remind them of anything that happened in their day? That's a fun way to do yeah, it. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to implement that today and I will report back to all the listeners how it's going. Okay. Um, awesome. That's the awesome. The deck is, yeah. Tweens like the deck and even teenagers. And I even have some seniors that buy decks and they, um, they like the messages. So awesome. you I know, mean, those you're, not, you're never going to outgrow those. Yeah. Those they're kids. beautiful too. I mean, the, the illustrations and everything, like I just, I love, I love everything about them. Thank you so much. Okay. So, and then tell us about the concept of the time and toolkit. Cause that's one we have not fully implemented yet. Yes. And I'm super well, curious about that. Okay, good. Well, the, the time and toolkit is a set of tools to help you nurture emotional intelligence playfully in your home and to actually let go of timeouts or behavioral management charts. So it, it's going to start with, you're going to get a digital manual in your email. You're going to get that even before you get your box. And I would coach your listeners out there and yourself, because we're all super busy, to open up that email and look at it even before you open your box. And get a flavor for what we're talking about here, okay? Because we're doing nothing less than than transforming the discipline that you're doing in your home. If, mm-hmm. if you're really going to embrace the tools, you're literally going to let go of punishment and no more timeouts. So for some people, they're like, what? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how right? I control. Yeah. Right. That's how I do it. So I want you to have a little moment to read through the manual. The manual comes with 50 pages of really easy to read more of like how to. So we start with like, how do I literally just set this up? And you're, you're going to either just stick them on the wall with tape, or you're going to frame them and stick them on the wall. And you're going to create a calming corner in your home. And I cannot stress enough how important it is for your children to be involved in that and to, to really think that that's so fun. What a fun idea to have this fun calming corner. And if you need any inspiration, just go on our Instagram and look at how the light up on these kids faces when they're in their little special place. And you will, you will understand there's a difference between the pride and the joy these kids are feeling in these little calming corners. Then let's say if they took a picture when they were sitting in their timeout chair, right? Their little faces would be like, Oh, I'm, I'm the worst. Um, but when they're in their calming corner, they're like, I rock. I am coming to understand how I feel and what I do. And so anyway, the, the calming corner can be used two ways. One is to teach emotional intelligence when, when there's not an incident up. And the other is to coach your child through the moment when there is something going on Mm -hmm. where by default, you would have done a timeout. Instead, you're going to be strengthening the muscles that are not strong enough such that it, it actually resulted in the breakdown. Right. So I can give you practical examples, but that's a time and toolkit and it comes with stickers. It comes with peacemakers, posters and activities. And literally as we speak, we're evolving the toolkit um, because 
just launched in January and I'm listening to my community's feedback. And so I'm implementing a number of things, but one thing that I'm going to do that I think you would like is I'm, I'm going to put a mini printed manual right in the box. Okay. So yeah. Perfect. We already printed the manual out. So I'm, I just need a matter of like sitting down and taking the time to do it with him and kind of talk about it a little bit more, but. Yeah. um, And and it'll, it'll break it into little bites as they say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Right. You know, absolutely. You want to chunk that out a little bit and do those activities. Um, when, when they're not an upset so that they can pull into those skills, yeah. name it to tame it, feel it to heal it, um, when they are an upset, that's what yeah. you're doing. Okay. That's amazing. I, I'm like, I, I just, I'm so happy that you're on here. I know it's taken us some time to actually physically get you on, um, just because of our schedules and stuff, but I am excited to share because it's really like changing my perspective so much. And I just hope that, you know, mamas who do resonate with the way that I view the world and the way that I view parenting. And, you know, they've, we've developed a relationship with our listeners and, um, you know, I know there are a lot of mamas out there just looking for something like this and I'm happy because I've found something and I want to share it with them. And so I'm, I'm super excited. I really, really hope that, um, a lot of our listeners kind of gravitate to you and find you if that's something that resonates with them. So we have a few listener questions. Is there anything else you want to add about Generation Mindful or the tools or, or anything? I think I would just say that we're, we're a community and you don't have to buy anything to be a part of the community. Right. We're pretty active on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you join our member list, um, which is free on our homepage, I send out content all the time mm-hmm. and um, every Friday I'm doing this new thing called feelings Friday on my Facebook page where it's going to be five minutes and it's going to be practical and playful applications. So we're, you know, we're going to move out of theory just each week. Um, and I, my desire there is to be really short and actionable. And I'm really interested in creating community and changing the way we're raising children. And we have to do that together. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's, that's the last thing I would say. No, I I love that so much. And I can absolutely attest to the amount of of free content that you share via email. And I always look at those videos and the, the posts that you put up because they're so valuable. Again, I mean, you have all of these great products for purchase, but there's so much that you're putting out there just for free for people to use and it's really powerful. Um, and so I absolutely would encourage people to sign up for that if they just want some place someplace to start. Um, so are you up for just a few quick questions from the listeners? I would love it. Okay. So, um, I think one of them we've already kind of answered. Okay. So how can you start, how early can you start working on emotional intelligence? This particular listener has, um, a, about a, a, she said 16 months old. And so not quite verbal, yet, but in that stage where it seems like from her description, a lot of tantrums are starting a lot of like a lot of big emotion that she's not really sure how to handle. It's never too early. And the fact is, even if, you know, we might say, oh, you know, three is a good age to start working on emotional intelligence. We've already been working on emotional intelligence their whole life, right? right? So the truth is I want everyone out there to know that so often the way we're teaching in is the way we're leading and guiding. It is not on purpose, okay? And I don't want to scare you, but I want you to understand that children are little scientists and they're learning 24-7. Mm-hmm. So even if we don't think we're teaching 
usually we're actually teaching more powerfully in that moment than in the moments where we think, oh, I'm teaching emotional intelligence <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, I can give you an example. Like I uh, dropped Cheerios on the floor and my impulse was, duh, you know, or that was dumb or, you know, whatever you say, <laughs> when you do something like that. And this was years ago. And I caught that feeling in myself wanting to be self-critical. And I was like, I decided right then and there um, to say instead, oops, it's a party. So like anytime <laughs> I make a mistake like that, where I drop something or spill milk, I will say, oops, it's a party because I was doing, we were doing a lot. Like somebody was spilling something like every day. <laughs> and so, you know, so what I would say is, Remember that um, it's never too early. And with your 18-month-old, it's likely that she's feeling frustrated. It's a very common way to feel around that age. So sometimes I just look at like um, my pace, my pace of my life. Sometimes there's nothing I need to overtly do for that child. Sometimes it's just not do, right? Like for mm -hmm. me, sometimes it's like we're just in this little phase and my kid is just super frustrated what can I do? You know, if I can get underneath the behavior, sometimes I can think holistically and maybe we just aren't leaving the house as much, or maybe we are leaving the house every day because that child needs to be out of the house every mm -hmm. day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's no one right answer, but I would say to that person, you already are, you're so powerful, you're leading and guiding by example, and don't feel like it needs to be heavy curriculum we teach through life and we teach through play, particularly at 18 months. Right. Yeah. And I think you, we haven't talked about this a ton, but I've seen it through the course and just everything that I'm reading, that emotions are okay. You know, it's like being present for the emotion and not saying, hey, stop crying or trying to shush them, you know, because yeah. recognizing that to them, at 16 months, if their bar cookie breaks in half, that is a huge mm -hmm. emotional issue it for is them. The end of the world, it, right? Exactly. So a and couple it, tools there, just naming it to tame it yeah. in a 16-year-old that isn't even verbal, mm -hmm. that will be a saving grace for that parent. Oh, you're so mad that cookie broke. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple other simple tools. Um, making it concrete, because when you make it concrete, that helps the child who is a very concrete thinker mm -hmm. at that time and a concrete learner. And that's why going to the library and reading stories is so helpful with children and learning anything mm -hmm. because it slows us down. And now we're having storytelling and we're processing, you know, potty training or moving houses or new brother or sister. Um, that's why, you know, storytelling and going to the books are, is so powerful. So anytime you can make it concrete, um, and, and that was the idea behind Peacemakers and really everything I'm doing is let's just make it concrete. Yeah. You know? So. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, and I love that phrase, name it to tame it. It's like kind of reflecting back what they're feeling, but they don't yet have words for is teaching them to recognize that in the future when they are learning how, what the yeah. words are, you know, it yes. doesn't make it so scary or so 
like, what's the word? It makes it, again, more concrete, just like you said. It's not this some, like, random, vague feeling that they're feeling. Like, you're you're angry right now. Like, you were upset. And you know what? It's permission to feel. Yeah. When you, as a big person parent, with your kind words, are saying, you are so mad. You really wanted that green popsicle, and mommy only has an orange one, and you're so mad. You feel so mad in your body right now. You really wanted the green one. That is compassion and empathy. And you're modeling. You're not spoiling and saying, okay, I'm going to run to the store and get you the color you want. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's, that's what it is. That is the challenge. But you are showing compassion and empathy just in pausing with them and saying what is. Mm-hmm. So that's a very practical, mindful uh, tool. Mm-hmm. Is, and I call that my court reporter voice where I say, <laughs> I say what is without an, and I hold back all my judgment around it. Well, that's really annoying. You know, I took you to the zoo and you're not going to be grateful for what I did. <laughs> so I try to edit out all of those judgments of my own and just stick with what is. Yeah, absolutely. That's very powerful. Um, and the last question is, I know we've kind of touched on this topic about touch and physical play. This listener has a question. She she wants to know, do you focus on physical play or like situational play? And how do you respect personal space and also engage in healthy touch with your kiddos? I guess she wants to know, like, you know, teaching them that they have control over their body and their space while also incur- like teaching them that, you know, we're a family and touch is this is appropriate touch and it's, it's a good thing. Like self-empowerment around touch. So I start teaching baby massage days, days old. And I believe that, um, modeling healthy, loving touch is the way to teach it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that also a child who's given permission to listen to their inner body with things like eating food, the way they dress themselves. So if a child says, I'm not hot and we say, Yes, you are. You look at you. You're hot. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'm not cold. Yes, you are. It's cold out. That's a very disempowering statement to that child. Mm-hmm. So be extra aware when your child is making statements if you don't agree with them as opposed to negating them like I'm not hungry. Yes, you are. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. cold. Yes, you are. See if you can just say back to them you're you're not cold. You know, I'm not cold. You're not cold. Um, and it's 30 degrees out and we're going to bring your coat, you know, if you want to bring the coat, Mm -hmm. um, you can say it that way. It's very different than no, yes, you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and and you have to put your coat on. Does that, does that live for you? Um, so when it comes to personal boundaries, as the child grows up with that empowering voice, when someone comes into their space and they don't feel comfortable, they're going to have an easier time saying, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. No. I don't like that. And I think all kids need to be given permission to say no. And I would, I call that up. I say, Oh, you're using your powerful voice. I all the time put words to when my child is obstinate or um, counter, you know, to Mm -hmm. me, oppositional. Um, Instead of saying, you can't talk to me like that. You can't say, I say, you're really feeling whatever. And you really don't want to. And I may, I may override that. And ultimately, like I see, and you're so sad. And, and this is the way it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's Sunday, and that's what we do on Sunday. And as much mm-hmm. as I can lean into the ritual of it, then I'm not overriding 
or negating them. So children will learn healthy boundaries when they have permission to have a voice and mm-hmm. to say no. Um, I hope that helps. No, that's super helpful. And I, in the course too, what resonated with me is me feeling like I am either going to be super permissive and, you know, it's this one end of the spectrum where like you're letting them feel all the feelings. Yes, of course you want them to feel healthy and expression of their feelings, but also it's like you have, you can't spend an hour trying to get them to put their shoes on because you have an appointment. It's like yeah, you right. know, finding that balance between you're still the parent that's still, you know, responsible for their safety and like other, and other children and yes. yourself and, you know, and that's why I look at, um, I think boundaries and power are the most misunderstood co- parts of positive parenting. Mm-hmm. I think the part that everybody think, you know, is talking about and understanding is compassion and empathy and, mm-hmm. you know, high sensitivity and emotion. But if that is not, if not balanced with permission to um, have limits as a parent, then we absolutely have to slip into permissive parenting. Mm-hmm. And permissive parenting is, is, is just as hard. It really is hard on the child. Um, just like autocratic parenting is where Mm -hmm. it's top down. Neither of them brings a lot of balance. So finding that sweet spot in the middle, um, you know, and surrounding yourself with the community so that you can be in this conversation all the time. You know, if you look at how we feed ourselves, we think about food a lot. We, we make menus, we go shopping, we're at the store. How many hours a week do we think about what we're going to put in our body? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so parenting is a relationship. It doesn't happen without thinking about it right. also. Right. Know. Absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of in my, well, I'm speaking for myself, like you go in thinking, of course I'm going to know how to parent. Like it's just going to come naturally to me and I'm <laughs> me and my child are connected and you know, all this stuff. And while that is true, Um, it is, I think as much a learning game, um, as anything is, but also, I don't know, it's like you're saying, it's a delicate balance between trusting your intuition because we've been told by so many people that Mm. this is wrong and this is wrong. Uh You should do it this way, but also seeking out guidance from, you know, it's, it's delicate. It is very delicate, you know? empowerment education is different than somebody shoving something down your throat. So empowerment education means that you're looking for when you light up inside, when somebody says something and you, it resonates truth to you. Mm -hmm. um, You can source as much data or information as you want, and you'll never feel ridden over or disempowered because you're approaching that information with an empowerment up. place. But if you look at other people as like Professor Google and Dr. WebMD as knowing (laughs) more than you, then you give your power away point blank. Or if you go to Facebook and you let your friends do that to you, then Mm. then that's very disempowering. Absolutely. My goodness. So much knowledge bombs. I, it's funny because we pull a pull a pull quote from each episode um, and we share that when the podcast goes live. And I'm thinking to myself, what what am I going to put on there? Cause there are so many like little gems. Um, so I'm just so thankful for you. And I feel like we could probably talk on this subject ad infinitum forever and ever and ever. Um, but I know we probably all need to, <laughs> you know, go, life. yeah, life, life, life probably calls. 
Um, but thank you so much. Is there, again, I know you kind of wrapped up with what Generation Mindful is, but I don't know, maybe if you could sum up one parting words of wisdom for parents who are kind of in that, in it right now, struggling to find something, um, that resonates with them. What would you, what would you say to them? I would say you are enough. You already are. You already are to just lean into that. You're not broken. Your kid's not broken you rock and you're already enough. Like right now, just celebrate that. And it, life gets easier. Like literally just coming out of that place of celebrating who we are and what we already are. So just really understand deep, 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 deep down in your core right now, have an experience of yourself as, as literally like a rock star. Okay. Like you are enough. (laughs) That's it. That's what I want them to know. That's amazing. I love that so much. I'm going to carry that with me to the rest of my day. Um, Thank you so much again, Suzanne. Can you tell everybody how to find you? What's the best way to connect with you via social media and all that good stuff? Where where can we find you? Come on to our website, genmindful.com, G-E-N, short for generation, genmindful.com. And find us on Facebook and Instagram. Those are probably the, the, the best place to be for the community. Awesome. And I will definitely link to those in the show notes if people want direct access to that. Um, awesome. Okay. As always, if you like what you are hearing on the podcast, please rate us and write a review on iTunes. You can find Laura and I um, on Instagram at laura.radicalroots and at just.holdthespace, as well as our um Facebook group, The Modern Mama's Tribe. You can search that on Facebook and join. That's where we're having, I mean, mama's Hundreds of mamas are having discussions about all the questions that you guys come to us with um, and just sharing from a really positive place there. So um, thanks again for joining us another week for the podcast. This is probably we've almost been live for a year now. So we just are so grateful for this community and you guys support and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.